is a great time of year, isn't it? Exciting time. Exciting things to be celebrating as we consider the greatest gift that was ever given. So uh, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2 briefly tonight. So we invite you, if you brought your Bibles, take a look. Uh, if not, hang on. I won't, I won't drive you into the ground too hard here. But we want to have an opportunity to hear the story. Where did this all come from? You know, we get together and we, we make trees and we hand out gifts. We give presents. We talk about this little fat fellow wearing a red suit that, uh, that comes and brings his presents. Santa Claus. But we forget sometimes the, the reason for the season. And the reason for the season is the greatest gift ever given mankind was given. We celebrate on this night. That God gave His Son to come, pay the price for our sin, that we might have a relationship with Him. So as we consider Luke chapter 2, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you the prophecy. A prophecy given out of Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. That's that greatest gift. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In Luke chapter 2, as we take a look tonight, we see in Luke chapter 2, it begins with this phrase. You may want to put this phrase up every holiday season. And it came to pass. It's kind of twofold. First off, That promise that God made all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. That promise that this issue, that that Adam had fallen and sin and death entered into the world. Something that, that didn't have to be, but yet there it was. And God promised that moment, that very moment, that He would provide one that would bear the sins. That He would provide one that would remove their sins. Genesis 3, 15 And he laid that out for us, and from that time forward until the time of Jesus' birth, mankind looked forward to the promised Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And we all remember, don't we, how John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, what he said? Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So in the Old Testament, man was saying, where's the Lamb? Where's the Lamb? And when John the Baptist stood up, he said, Behold the Lamb. He's right here. And so we see the fruition of God's promise. And it came to pass. God's promises come true. But there's something else I think we ought to pull away from that. And, it is, and, and that is this. It came to pass also means every single good time and, and celebration in your life is going to come. And it's going to pass. And with that, we need to remember, we want to recognize so often, folks, don't we? We look back with regret that we didn't grab a hold of those opportunities with both arms and hold on with both hands. There are a lot of times now, now when my children are grown, I, I don't look back and think, man, I really spent too much time with them. I think, man, it would have been, it'd be nice to go back and, and spend more time to have done more. So we need to remember it came to pass. And we're going to have great celebration. We want to celebrate in that. But you want to, in the midst of that celebration, remember that celebration is not going to last forever. So take part in every precious moment, every minute. The the Scripture tells us to redeem the time. 
recognize, realize that time doesn't last forever and cherish the time we have for it came to pass. But it also means it came to pass when we look at all those hard times and the trials and the difficult things that we go through. Because sometimes Christmas is the hardest time of the year. Especially for those who have lost loved ones. That, that The first, second, third Christmas, it just marks that time. Well, this is the first year, the second year, the fifth year, whatever it is, since my loved one wasn't here. The scripture lays out for us, it came to pass. It came to pass. And God's promise for us, God's promise for us is that no goodbye lasts forever. God's promise for us is, in Christ Jesus, we have everlasting life. And so it's only a waiting time, a waiting period, like a long trip until we get to see those loved ones that we miss. It came to pass. We have God's promises. We have those celebrations and we have the hurts and pains of life. They all came to pass. And as we look at this, and especially this time of the season, we want to remember that. We want to remember those things. And then the next phrase is, in those days. In what days? In those days. The Bible says in Galatians 4, 4, at just the right time, at the perfect opportunity, God sent His Son. He sent His Son. It was prescribed. This was just right. Why was it just right? Because that time in the world, the entire world was able to communicate to one another through one language. Oh, they spoke many. But the Koine Greek, the common Greek, it was everywhere. So at one time, even even more so than it is today, people around the world had the opportunity to speak to one another. What else was taking place during that time? The Pax Romana. The Roman peace. You had this fella who came in and and gave himself a a title. He gave himself the title Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus is what he wanted to be called. His real name was Octavius. And Octavius, as he, he gave him this name, he forced a peace. He bludgeoned people into submission. He built Roman roads so that cities were tied together so that you could move from one place to another like no other time in history before. So at the perfect time, when it came to pass, at that appointed moment, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. He was all excited because he's all powerful. Hey, he could say, go register yourself, and the whole world went. There's never been a time like that since. I want everyone on the earth, everyone in the empire, Roman empire, which spanned around the world, I want everyone to go to the place of their birth and register so I can tax them. And they went. They all went. And he probably was filled with pride. But listen, when they all went, he didn't even realize that he was fulfilling prophecy. For Micah 5.2 said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And there was this issue. We had this fellow. You, you remember the story of Christmas, right? Joseph and Mary. Mary was supposed to, was betrothed to Joseph. They had never been together yet, but they had signed a contract that they would be married. And after they signed that contract, suddenly Mary showed up pregnant. Now we know the Bible says 
that an angel visited Mary and told her, hey, you are going to be with child, and that child shall be the Son of God. You will call his name, in the Old Testament, what does it say? You will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. You'll call his name Emmanuel. And he said, and you will name the child Jesus, for he will save us from our sins. What does Jesus mean? God is salvation. God is going to save us from our sins. Now, Joseph, he was a pretty upstanding guy. He looked at Mary. He figured, well, she hadn't been faithful to me. She got some kind of crazy story, but I'm just going to put her away quietly. I'll just quietly divorce her so nobody knows. And then the angel, Gabriel, again came to Joseph and said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which she carries is of the Holy Spirit. She's carrying God. The promise of Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent. There, in this child, 15 years old by most accounts, was... God of very God to be born fully man, fully God, and to fulfill the promises of God. But you see, they were in a place called Nazareth. Nazareth, not Sarat. Nazareth is, it, it means the branch. Now that's kind of interesting because Jesus is going to spend a lot of his career being called Jesus of Nazareth, right? Do you know that in Isaiah 11.1 1, it said that a stem will come out of Jesse, and a branch will grow out of his roots. And that title, the branch, was also a title for the Messiah. And most of the time when Jesus went around, people would call him Jesus the Nazarene, Jesus the branch. The branch, not even realizing that in the title that they gave him, they were pointing to Messiah. They were pointing to that promise. Well, there in Nazareth and and. The Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. How's God going to do that? He takes his Caesar, Caesar Augustus, who's full of himself, and he says, you should tell everyone to go back to the place of their birth. So that's what he did. That's what he did. The Bible tells us in verse 2, the census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. So Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Isn't it interesting that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem? Why is that interesting? Because Bethlehem means house of bread. John chapter 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He is that which sustains us, that which we need. That's which fulfills us. And he would be born in a place known as the house of bread. Fulfilling a promise that God gave in the Old Testament in Micah 5 too. He is coming. It came to pass. God even orchestrated unbelieving rulers of the world to gather together those that he had called to their specific places. And so they went. They went to Bethlehem. And it says... So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, the same thing that's true then is still true today. 
there's still no room for Jesus. Oh, there have been times where, where it's been okay. Remember when we used to be able to go to a store and people would say, Merry Christmas? Remember when people would write Merry Christmas on their windows and there you would see things like Jesus is the reason for the season and, and a variety of things like that. But somewhere folks got in their mind that there's no room for Jesus in the season. Somewhere folks got the idea there's no room for Jesus in school. Somewhere folks got the idea there's no room for Jesus in our nation. For, haven't you heard? We're no longer a Christian nation. Still today, no room at the end. What about for you and I? What about for us? Do we have room in our lives for Jesus? Is Jesus that, that, that time of the, of the year we, we come one time, we got, we got one day out of 365 for him? Or do we have more? Is there room for Jesus in your life? Is there room for Jesus in your everyday activities? Is there room for him? Or is that in closed up? No room for you today. No room for the Lord. So he would be born in a manger. Now, under our trees, don't many of us have a, a manger scene, right? It's this little wooden manger with a, with a little wooden trough in which the baby is laid. I don't want to mess too much with tradition, but that's not what the manger looked like. When you go to Israel, they do not have an abundance of wood. They have an abundance of rocks. In fact, the story has been told there were two angels that were given the responsibility of spreading all the rocks around the world. One angel went around and spread the rocks like he was supposed to. The other angel was lazy. He dropped them all in Israel. (laughs) And so today... You go to Israel, everything's made out of stone. Everything's made out of rocks. You know what the manger was like? I want you to picture this for a moment. The manger was a a cave, a carving into the side of a hill or into a rock. A a carved out area where the animals would be placed. No, No door over the front of it, just an opening. You would go inside and there on the inside is where they would be able to keep the animals. In fact, the innkeeper would be responsible to make sure all the animals for the people that were visiting his inn were going to be cared for. So they would be out there. When Jesus' mom and dad came to the inn, there was no room in the inn, but he could go out with the donkeys. And so that's where Mary and Joseph went, out with the donkeys. Often in our manger scene, we have this little wooden trough in which the baby is laid, but that's not how it was because, as I said, there was not an abundance of wood so everything is made out of stone. So that manger, folks, that, that manger that they would have laid Jesus in was a, was a stone carved out in the middle like a feeding trough. And inside of that, just like a bassinet today, there lay the Christ, the Messiah, the King who was to come. The Scripture tells us that that was a sign. He is wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in this, in this stone manger. Now there were in that same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. 
And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. The whole world. John 3.16 For God so loved who? The world. That He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believed in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. A relationship comes through that, that connection with Jesus Christ. That we believe. That we put our trust in. For unto you is born... This day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who is the Mashiach Nagid. The Messiah, the King. The promised one of old. Here he is. He's born today. Who did the angels go to? Did they go to the kings of the world? Did they go to the leaders in government? Did they go to the religious places to talk to the priests? Where did they go? They went to the shepherds. Why? Because the shepherds are regular people. How many of you have learned that government just does whatever government wants to do, whatever's best for them? Have you figured that out yet? Have you figured out that many times in religion, religion's all about tradition and not about truth? It's all wrapped up in in whatever tradition that particular branch might have. And and regardless of what's true, what's not true, that's just what they're going to do. That's how we do it. So the Lord sent His angels to the shepherds, the regular folk, people that were outcasts. They couldn't go to the temple because they were unclean because they were watching sheep. They couldn't do all the things that were to do in the city. They were outside the city. And so the angel comes to them and says to them this brilliant proclamation to the shepherds. He didn't appear on CNN and say, hey, we got a news-breaking moment. We want to get this word out. Went to shepherds. Went to the regular people. Do you realize throughout Jesus' ministry, that's what he would do every single day that he ministered? He would go to the regular people. The real people. And he would share with them words of truth. And so they said, this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes Lying in a manger. So often we read that and we don't consider the sign. Consider the sign like this, if you will. He was in a carved out stone. Born in the exact type of place in which he would die. A stone tomb. He was laying on a stone manger. Carved out exactly like, in a larger perspective... The stone slab on which they would lay his body. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes exactly like that day when he would die and they would wrap him with strips of cloth and lay him in that stone tomb. The Lord said, this will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, Take it from me, I'm sure they didn't have to look very hard. There probably wasn't too many babies in the manger, around the animals, laying in the stone trough, wrapped in strips of cloth. So the good news for us is the shepherds were able to find them right away. But listen what happened. Verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. 
You guys know that Christmas carol that has that phrase in it? In excelsis Deo? Or in excelsis Deo? Or... You guys like me, do you ever wonder how you're supposed to say that? Someone's going to tell me after service, but it's okay. In case you didn't know, do you know what that means? Glory to God in the highest. It's Latin. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. And on earth, peace. Shalom. It was a greeting. When someone would come, they would greet one another with that phrase. Peace. Peace be to you. Peace to you. So here we have this message from heaven. Peace and goodwill toward men. Why? Because the greatest gift ever given mankind, the greatest opportunity mankind would ever be given, was born in a manger, lying there. And the word went to the shepherds, the regular folk, and they went down to see. And the angels are singing, peace, goodwill. God is giving you that opportunity. The scripture says, you and I, we are at enmity with God. That means we are at war with Him. But God, in as much as it is possible for Him, has provided for our peace. Not that you have to do anything. What do we have to do? What's the work? To do the work of God, what must we do? Jesus said, believe upon Him whom the Father sent. Believe in Him. Jesus said, whoever believes, he will receive everlasting life, peace and goodwill to men. And then the scripture goes on. So it was when the angels had gone away from them unto heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's go see. Let's go see. And so immediately they heard the good news and they went to see. Now, you can compare that with another story. In the book of Matthew chapter 2, the scripture tells us that there were wise men who traveled from afar who came to Herod the king and said, Where is the one who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the heavens and we've come to worship him. And Herod looked over at the priests that were sitting next to him at the throne and he said, So where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they looked at him and said, In Bethlehem, according to Micah 5, 2, He's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So what did Herod say? He said to the wise men, Well, you guys go on along. Go visit him and worship him. And when you find him, come back and tell me where he is so I can go. What did Herod really want to do? Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 2, because when the wise men didn't return and tell him where the Christ child was, he slaughtered every child two years and under in Bethlehem. He killed them all. Because he wanted to see, don't you realize? The wise men told him it was the Messiah. The Bible tells in Isaiah 9, 6, the Messiah is God. The scripture lays out for us that God was born and here Herod is saying, go kill him. Because I don't want anybody taking my throne. Compare that with the shepherds. The shepherds, they get the good news, they go. They go immediately. And what does the scripture tell us when they went? They came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. 
They made widely known. The shepherds get the word. The word comes to them. They receive the word from the, from the angels. They're excited about what's taking place. And they want to do what God's word calls us to do. What is that? To receive the word, to hear the word, to come and see, and to go and tell. To come and see, and to go and tell. Tonight, as we celebrate this this auspicious occasion, this incredible gift given by our Father in Heaven, we have an opportunity to celebrate in a candle lighting service. And for those of you who have been a part of it before, this is what a candle lighting service is all about. The candle lighting service is about receiving the Word. When we receive the Word, the Bible tells us that Jesus, He's the light of the world, isn't He? And as the light of the world, when the light of the world comes into our life, what happens? Our faces, they become all aglow. They become all aglow as a reflection of the light of God in our life. And so what do we do with our candle? We hold it, hide it under a bushel, bury it under a seat, blow it out? No, we pass it on. We pass it on. So as we have the ushers prepared to come down and And we're going to invite you to go ahead and take up those candles and realize, realize what are we all about? What is this all about on this wonderful, blessed Christmas Eve? It's a celebration of what those angels did. And we will have an opportunity, you and I, will have an opportunity to, to in a small way, a small fraction Enjoy the, the awe that must have been that evening as one shepherd went to another and lit. And that shepherd told two friends, and so on, and so on. The word spread. The word flowed. The word did what it was supposed to do. The scripture tells us that at that time, when the ministry of the Christ child was over, remember we talked about the fact that on earth there was no room for Jesus? There was no room in the inn? I failed to mention that there was room for Him in one place. There was room for Him on the cross. On the cross, there was room. His birth, the sign, pointed to the fact that He was born to die for you and I so that we, you and I, might come to know Him in a more incredible way. And so as He died, He rose and He told His disciples, right? Go and tell. Tonight, we come to see and we go to tell the beautiful work that God has done, that beautiful work that God has wrought, that incredible opportunity that we have to celebrate the greatest gift ever given. Amen? Can I get you to kill the lights? We don't need none. Let's take a look.
See how that light touches? See how that light expresses for each of us? We're going to have an opportunity to worship, and we invite you to worship together with us. Yeah, the worship banner. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to
before you, as we come before you in this time to celebrate that incredible gift that you gave. As we sit here, Father, with faces all aglow, Lord God, may we, may we leave this place and not forget the reason that we gathered, not forget what you have done for us. Father, may we allow that to be that which propels us, that which guides us, that which leads us to do everything else that we do, Father, in a response of love to what you have done for us. 
For when we were at war with you, you came and said the word peace. When we were in battle against you, you gave unto us your son that we might have a relationship with you through him. So Lord, as we just pause for a moment, we just pause and we consider that which was given, that which was done, the word to whom it came, and what they did with that word. May we as those shepherds, as we hold these lights, may we take the light that's been given to us, and spread it around the world. May we make a decision to say, there's room for Jesus in my life. There's room for Jesus in my heart. There's room for Jesus in my house. For as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. At this time and in this season, our proclamation to you, O God and King, There is room for you with us. And we thank you and praise you for this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.